everybody. Welcome to another episode of Courtside with Dealing with Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Here again with my co-host, Hall of Famer, Steve Flink. Steve, I am in a tremendous mood and it has nothing to do with tennis right now. In Chicago, yesterday, 65 degrees. Today is 72 degrees. It's probably going to snow tomorrow, but I'm wearing short sleeves. I've never in my 48, almost 49 years of living, remember a day in February that we've had these temps. Yeah, well, we're not doing so badly up here in Westchester County, New York either, David. Not quite as warm as you, but it's been very mild. It's certainly been in the range of 60 degrees in the last couple of days. Very welcome after some, you know, the snow that preceded it a week or two before. We call these bonus days in February when you get days like this because it just doesn't happen. So we're going to appreciate this. We're going to start. You remember last episode, we talked about some coaching splits. One of those was Holger Rune and Boris Becker. Holger has now rehired for the second, at least the second, maybe a third time, Patrick Mortagalu. Uh, we'll see how that relationship works out. If you also remember the last episode, I mentioned a new pairing, which is Jordan Thompson with Ryan Harrison. Boy, did Jordan Thompson have a week in Los Cabos. Should we start with that, Steve? No, let's just go back. We will, but I don't want to lose my thought on, on your first point there, which is Moritoglu. I'm not wild about it. I think he that's no knock on him, but you've switched. You've left him to go to Boris, Eluthi, and, and now, for whatever the reasons, you couldn't work it out with them, so you go back. I would have preferred that he gave the other two maybe more of a shot or found a a, a different new voice because I'm just not confident that it will last, you know, and I, I'm not blaming that on, on Moritoglu, uh, but I, it seems like uh, I, I honestly get the feeling that Holger Runa's mo- mother, who's very knowledgeable, knowledgeable of him and very supportive of him plays a very active role. And it reminds me a bit of Sitsipas's father. And when you have a parent that's that uh, immersed in it and, and sort of, looking o- over the shoulder of the coaches, it can be difficult. So I, that's first. Second, Thompson. Watched a lot of it, David, and, and I, I would think that Ryan Harrison must be feeling very good. But the most amazing thing was that he's down against Mickelson, six love, three love. He lost the first nine games of the match. He later saved match points. And somehow he goes from that to beating Zarev in a tiebreak in the third in the semis after squandering five match points leading up to the tie break. He completely outplays Zarev in the breaker when it looked like the match was getting away from him. And then he beats Kasper Ruud in a very well-played final when he was not able to serve out the match, but he closed that out in a breaker. So what an impressive week. He climbs to 32 in the world. I've always thought that Thompson was an underachiever. And maybe uh, and maybe Ryan Harrison, maybe this is a good role for him. He never found absolute fulfillment as a player he was hurt too much it looked like he was going to be a a more prodigious achiever than he turned out to be but maybe the coaching role is going to be right for him certainly is going to instill a lot of confidence in Thompson to win that title and 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 now he's 32 in the world I don't see why he shouldn't be a somewhere in that 15 to 20 range in the world so that was a very impressive week for him and he's an impressive, he's a, an appealing player, David. He's got, he can do a little of everything, attacks, defends, comes in, volleys well. He's, he's got a, more dimensions to his game, more layers to his game than most of the players, which is why I like watching it. Uh, a couple things, when, when I because I watched the Thompson-Mickelson match too. 
you know, it was 06, 03, as you said, it was even 06, 14, 15, 40 to continue yeah. on your thought. I mean, yeah. and it reminds me what Brad Gilbert used to say, right? You don't have to be perfect on that specific day. You just have to be a little bit better than your opponent on that specific day. And I guess as that match went on, Jordan was a little bit better than Mickelson, but my God, did he dodge multiple bullets um, well, by, by not losing that match? Absolutely. But you also need a, you need a little bit of luck. But then when you escape on, uh, on a night of good fortune or a day of good fortune like that, then that's what so uh, has to be so uplifting is that he just left that behind him. So good. I'm glad I'm still in the tournament. And then to knock off two players of the caliber of Zarev and Rude, and Rude was playing well. And I mean, I, I I thought perhaps Jordan might lose that final. So this is a um, it's a significant step forward for him. And maybe now he goes to that next level where I believe he belongs. You see that in a lot of sports. I think we've talked about this prior, Steve. But you know, whether it's an individual sport like tennis or team sports, whether it's basketball or football, whatnot. You survive a game or a match that you maybe should not have survived. Then it's almost like you play free, like you're playing with some house money and you just play the remaining of that tournament um, in, a, in a better quality and sometimes get through the whole thing and wind up the winner. But now it's true, but that's something we normally associate with a Djokovic or a Federer or a Nadal and the, 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 the truly great players that sometimes will come in and, and they're, they're rusty in the early rounds and they need to escape. But, we expect it from them, but not necessarily a Jordan Thompson. So maybe this gives him a new outlook on life. I, I hope it does. Let's go now to Acapulco. We know the players love that tournament. Um, it was a rough night for timestamping purposes. We're doing this on, we're recording this on Tuesday night. Um, last night, which was Monday night, both Taylor Fritz and, and Tommy Paul both lost their first matches. I would say, Steve, this could be a Delray Beach, Atlantic Avenue type of hangover, but they've had a week in between. It didn't go directly from Delray to Acapulco. So I tried to give them an excuse, but I don't know if that excuse will work. Listen, uh, it, the only excuse is that that it, it, Taylor had beaten Tommy in the finals at Delray. He started the year off with a nice quarterfinal appearance in the Australian Open and a first-rate match and losing to Djokovic in four. Tommy had won Dallas over Marcus Jerome, and he loses the final of Delray to to Taylor. So I'll cut them a little slack in the sense they both have had a, a nice start to the year, and you are going to have some – I mean, Taylor's loss was more surprising because, uh, you know, he, lo he lost to a, a Matteo Arnaldi, the Italian. That's not the kind of match you expect him to lose in three sets, a player like that. It's a match he should win. Tommy getting caught off guard a little bit by Jack Draper, the left-hander who's good – who on his day can be pretty tough. It was a love and four scoreline, which is not great. But I think that they'll they'll come around again. There's going to give both of them time to really get ready for Indian Wells. And they've still had nice starts to the year. So I'm not terribly worried about them. We did see Ben Shelton pull out a great match, by the way, against Dan Evans, you know, after after Evans served for the match at 6-5 in the third. And and Ben was able to win that in a tiebreaker. That might get kind of ignite him again, get him launch him into the season on his own terms and didn't play his best in Australia. So I feel like uh, there's some interesting times ahead for all of them. Dan Evans, Steve, uh, um, I saw him practice a couple times in, when I was in Delray. And I knew this, but to see it up close and in person like that, I mean, he is a talented, talented player. And some of the shot making in last night's match against Ben was um, pretty remarkable on both sides. 
Yeah, and, and the thing about Evans, it's true, but the thing about Evans is he is talented. He's not any kind of powerhouse, but that's what makes him enjoyable to watch. The slice backhand, the strategic acumen, the, the caginess on the court. He's got a little bit of everything in his game, so he's fun to I watched him play a really interesting match against Alcaraz at the U.S. Open last year. He, he's, a, he's always fun to watch, and I'm sure he's a little heartbroken not to be able to serve that match out. That would have been a nice win for him, but instead it's, it, 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 it's an upli- uplifting triumph for Shelton, and I hope it could lead to a big week. So certainly think it could. Some interesting stuff on, on Clay, and I'll kind of leave it to you to, to hit on any points you wish. Obviously, we, we were aware when Carlos Alcaraz turned his ankle – doesn't seem to be too bad. He's still scheduled to play that exhibition with Rafa. I think that's in Vegas. Rafa's already in Indian Wells, so he's prepping for that. They already announced his first match, I think, is on a Thursday of that first week. I think Thursday, I think it was announced. Um, thoughts on any of the clay stuff and things leading up to Indian Wells? Well, yeah, I mean... Before Carlos turned the ankle the week before, he played a disappointing semi against Nicholas Jerry. That was a chance to maybe finally get another title under his belt, having not won, won one since Wimbledon last year. So that he and he played a terrible tiebreak in the first set before losing in straight. Uh, so he still we we both have agreed that he will come round, no doubt about it. But that 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 surprised me a bit because those two tournaments. There was the chance with the fields being what they were on the clay that Carlos was going to at least come away with one of the time, one of them, and maybe even both. Instead, a, a, a disappointing defeat followed by an injury. And so now I think he's going to really want something significant to come out Indian Wells trying to defend his title. Uh, at, at least say a final, at least a final is what he's going to be looking to do. And that wouldn't shock me if, if it happened because he's just due to start playing Carlos Alcaraz kind of tennis. I mean, we know what he can do out there. So one other guy I want to talk about uh, rather than some, some of the other clay court performers is this 18-year-old uh, David from the Czech Republic. His name is Jacob, J-A-Q-U-B, Mensik, M-E-N-S-I-K, Czech Republic, 18-year-old, six foot four, huge serve, climbs into the top. 100 in the world, climbs up to number 87 with a great run in Doha to the final where he knocked off Andy Murray. He beat, he beat Rublev and then he beat Monfils, all in hard-fought matches. Finally lost the final to Hatchinoff. And then today he saves a match point against Borna Krorich over in Dubai and wins his first match there. So he's probably going to move. He should move slightly up in the rankings even if he loses his next match. But I love the poise of this kid and Perfect size for today's game at 6-4. Moves well, big serve, explosive off both sides. And yet a very, for a kid of, of his, for an 18-year-old, he's, he's surprisingly mature and poised and unruffled out there. And that's why he pulled out the match today, which really impressed me coming off a final last week that he could win this match today against a, a guileful veteran like Borna Krorich. So I'm, I'm very excited about uh, Mensik and his his potential. He's he's going to be. He could be great. I'm looking at my phone right now because I don't want to mess up the the person's name. But on the other clay court ten- tournament, I don't want to mess him up. He also, I think, did he lose in the final? It starts with an F, and I don't want to butcher the name. He's very very good too. I think he's 17 years old. Um, I can't find it on my phone right now. I apologize. I should know the name, but everybody knows who I'm talking about. Um, I think he's a 17 year old. 
tremendous yeah. player. So both these guys, we have to start looking at. And it's funny, Steve, when you when you talked to Carlos, when you talked about Carlos and you said, you know, at least, you know, he's looking to make a final, whether it's Indian Wells or Miami, you know, several months back, you're like, okay, yeah, I could see it happen. It's pretty much expected. Now, you know, I'm thinking when you're saying that, I'm like, he's going to have to beat some good, some damn good players right now because he hasn't played at the level that we're used to seeing Carlos play at. So there's no guarantee. Oh, no. Whereas several months before you're like, yeah, he'll probably get to a final of one of the two. No, no, no guarantee. I agree. It's just that he's so, this is, he's, he's so gifted. So again, all it might take for him, by the way, is something similar to what we were just talking about in, you know, where you pull out, you salvage a match, maybe maybe early on at Indian Wells, he's down match point at five, six and a third against somebody and he pulls it out and then he goes on a tear. He's very capable of doing that. He needs a confidence boost somewhere along the line. But he also deep down, he knows how good he is. And so and the other guys also know how good he is. Plus, in the case of Indian Wells, he's going back to defend. And that's a good feeling. I don't think he's going to let that weigh him down. I think he's going to remember how much he liked the conditions there last year, how well he played there last year. Terrific against Sinner, terrific against Medvedev. Uh, uh, I mean, the guy was terrific in the last couple of rounds against two first-rate guys in Sinner and Medvedev. So I just feel like it, it's gonna, he's, he's going to feel a certain sense of urgency now. He doesn't want to go out under the clay court circuit with still having still, – still kind of – bogged down in what for him is a slump. So I think he's going to be very determined to make his mark in Indian Wells or Miami or hopefully both. So I, I still believe that one of those events will go his way. And, you know, Novak's playing Indian Wells now, right? So it, it was interesting. You saw, you saw the social media picture. Uh, I don't know if it was planned or not, but but Novak and Rafa were on the same plane plane trip coming over. Um, I want to talk to, I want to talk about Novak for a minute because all the time. And it's unbelievable how good he is at this. And, and, and I always talked about how good he was in tiebreakers, how he's always so locked in. He doesn't miss, he goes for big targets and he just constantly like pressures his opponent until they eventually are just, they start going for too much and are uncomfortable. And he causes the error from the opponent. I listened to Andy Roddick's new pod earlier and it's called served with Andy Roddick. I think there's four episodes now, maybe five episodes. And the latest one, it was with agent um, Max Eisenbud uh, right. from IMG. Right. And yeah. after he talks with Max, he then concludes stuff and he's just talking with John Wertheim. And it starts with like 11 minutes left in the pod. And he does an amazing job analyzing why Novak is so good. And it's not complicated. And he puts it in simplistic terms where you can really appreciate what Novak does. And, you know, I'm listening to it and I'm like, yeah, this is why he's so good. And, uh, you know, we always talked about locked in. He doesn't miss. He he makes his opponents press. Listen to the last 11, you know, start with like the last 11 minutes. And Andy goes into about a, a four or five minute um, analysis of what makes Novak so good. You, every tennis fan w- will enjoy it. Andy did a really, really good job talking about it. Well, he's been he's done a great job on all of his podcasts. And and he sh- he's got such an agile mind and he's such a deep thinker and yet it just pours out of him so easily and naturally and his feel for the game i mean if he wanted to take this to another level he if, he would be a superb commentator at all the majors if he wanted to do it because his mind is just made to break down matches but i will say this i haven't heard yet i haven't heard this one yet but i 
I will say this. Federer a couple of years ago said something very interesting. It was when Novak was starting to pile up all those majors in 2021. And he said something in one of the interviews, a brief interview, where he said, well, the thing about Novak is he beats guys in so many different ways. And I, I don't know whether Andy addressed that, but I think it's true. I think, you know, he, he picks people apart very differently and he's more aggressive against some guys than others. And he, he really knows how to approach every match correctly, strategically. And I don't think he gets enough credit for that. It's you're right about the tie breaks. That's a certain philosophy that I'm not going to miss. Even there, though, even in the breakers, if he opens up a nice three love, four love lead, you know, and he's loose, you know, he, he's he's not afraid to go for, to, to make a sort of a take a calculated risk and he'll usually pull it off. But I thought that was interesting that Federer's I'd never heard him make that comment before, but that was his observation from afar at, uh, at a time when he wasn't playing very much and he was soon to leave the game. I don't want to give too much away and I'm not going to do it justice like Andy did, but, but he talks about how Novak can so easily change direction of the ball within a rally. And a lot of times when you change direction, let's take that backhand down the line. When you change direction, a lot of times people go for a winner on that down the line backhand to change, to change direction on the ball. He doesn't do that. He does that in a low type calculated risk, like you said, as a rally ball. And he just starts to develop the pattern into Novak's strength. He Novak, uh, uh, Andy even uh, did an analysis against like if Novak played Jim Courier, Jim Courier always likes to creep to that side where he doesn't have to hit a lot of backhands. He can go sit, just hit inside in forehands, inside out forehands. Obviously, it's a different generation. But what Andy's describing is Jim or guys like that can't lean on that side because Novak can change direction so easily down the line. And I don't want to spoil anymore. Andy describes it better than me, but for every tennis fan up there, um, go ahead and give it a listen. Cause it, it well, really I, well I look done. forward to hearing that. Cause I, 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 I listen, we, we watched a lot of Djokovic. There's no doubt that that down the line back in has been a trademark shot for him his whole career. And one that he uses more effectively than a lot of other guys with great two handers. So I, I'm not surprised that, that Andy addressed that, but I'm looking forward to hearing it. Yeah, it was really well done. So with that, um, we're on the verge. We got to get through Acapulco, some other tournaments. Um, we're on the verge of the Sunshine Double. Everyone loves Indian Wells. So we're going to do this once Indian Wells gets started. Um, like I said earlier, they already announced Rafa's uh, first match. So we'll have, you know, we'll record after that. We'll preview. Um, you know, we'll still be in the early rounds of Indian Wells. So uh, a lot of good tennis, a lot of good tennis uh, ahead of us, Steve. Yeah, and let me just chime in also and say I really enjoyed that photo. I think Djokovic, I believe, was the one who sent it out on social media the, of him and Rafa. But it was a great photo, a selfie, and he, they're both smiling. And and obviously, we don't see them together that often. And I think they it, it sounds like they enjoyed having a more kind of a, re, a relaxed few moments together. And, and uh, I think tennis fans everywhere kind of really love seeing that picture. Looking forward to the next one. Same here.